good evening. You're inside the hive with Mr. Hostler. Wow, that was that was good. That was good. Thank you for that solid intro, Mr. Hostler. And we're excited to start episode twelve, a highly anticipated episode for a lot of people. When we started, Joel and I started telling people about Mr. Hostler's appearance on the podcast. Everyone was dying for us to get him on here. So hopefully, we have a very good episode. It's actually weird for us today. This is our second episode today. Just finished up before you f- doing a Zoom call with Lance Moore. What an experience that is. You guys will hear what he talked about, but th- let's not take anything away from you, and let's st- get right into it, Joel. All right, Mr. Hostler, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Sure, um, but before I do that, I have some questions for you guys. Oh, oh no. boy. Here we go. Listeners want to know some things. Of course. So first cool. of all, your favorite Christmas movie? Polar Express. Oh, God. I was not prepared for this. I have to, like, really think about it because there's a lot of different types of Christmas movies, and there's always the question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I'm not going to go there necessarily. I'm not going to pick it. Typically, uh, see, it's probably on his note card, but typically I like to go with the classic Home Alone. It's just something my family has always watched together, gotten a good laugh. Home Alone, that's where I'm going. So tell me more about this Die Hard well, you know, everyone brings it up, and I've only seen it one time, and I'm like, I'm not really one to talk about the topic, so I try and stay away from it. I let other people talk about it because it's not my area really of expertise to talk about it. So I let other people talk about it, and I chime in if they ask me about it. But So, so you're a podcast host, yeah, and, and you don't want to talk about it. No, because it's not really right. Yeah, you, see, look at I like this. You're you're hitting me with hard questions, and I wasn't really prepared for it. Which props you for doing that. And it's okay. You're we'll right. Back I, to I you. just I really I wasn't to the stress. It's okay. No, right. it's fine. I mean, Die Hard. Really, I just it. I wasn't ne- never seen it. Should I have seen Die Hard? Yeah. Uh, this 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 podcast could be over right right now. <laughs> I'll go home oh, and watch it tonight. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll shoot you a text. When I'll tell you what, house. Joe, we'll watch it together, and we'll, we'll and then report back. you need to back. report back, we'll report definitely. Back. Right, sure. I'm worried about this song now, or a question. Oh, favorite Christmas song? Oh. We'll give you time, so we'll, we'll, we'll come back. What Joel, what do you think? Um, favorite Christmas song? It, All I Want for Christmas is You. Of course, Mariah Carey, hit Mariah that Carey. high note right. every Friday at lunch, yep. and right. you don't like it. Why do you not like it? You just don't like it. That's just not right. That's just not right. Your, that's that's your your yes. favorite. Your favorite too. That's that that's rocking around song. the Christmas tree. Jingle Bell Rock is solid. also very Jingle Bell Rock. It's also acceptable. You know, yeah, yeah. All good ones. Christmas song, Nat King Cole, Chestnuts. Yeah, that's that, a good one too. One. Yeah, it's a good one too. All right, all right. They what overplay. The I've listened to one hundred one point five The River Christmas songs lately. Every other song I seem like they play Jingle Bells by Frank Sinatra. I'm not. I can't song. listen to it anymore. I like it, but what's like the worst? every other song. What's your worst? Oh, the one that you cringe at. That's a hard oh, question. Goodness. I honestly don't think I have one. I love Christmas music. I, I'm an avid Christmas music listener. Yeah. I think the only thing for me would be sometimes there's – when people come out with like a remix of a song and you listen back to the original and you look at it, you're like, this just is not good. Have you have you ever heard the one – it's by uh, – uh, it, it's like a one-hit wonder. It's by New Shoes. It's about the, the the kid who goes to the store on Christmas Eve and tries to buy shoes for his mom who's dying. No, I can't say that I've listened to that. All right, it, it's it's terrible. 
What's, Christmas yeah. shoes. Christmas shoes. Do we? Can we Terrible get an audio clip? Set or is uh, it oh, right? he's getting I, I an just, audio clip. Yeah, folks. we'll just. It's just Christmas shoes. Yeah, and then I have a good friend that I taught with many years ago. We go back and forth on uh, Snoopy and the Red Baron mm-hmm. Christmas. He's like, you know, it's it's a Christmas song, and I'm like, I don't think it is. So Snoopy. It's and good the Red to have Baron. those conversations. Yeah. Could be the Christmas shoes. That seems like a sad Hallmark movie. Are we oh, it to, is. Like, mute our mics oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Copyright. No, we'll be fine. Yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah, a short yeah. snippet. You got it. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Probably YouTube, it's about but, a guy that's oh, in the store goodness. buying gifts and the. You little... got it. Let's listen to it. Yep. This is sad Hallmark. This is screaming sad Hallmark. You, you, you got it. Oh no! Throwing football hits hits a car. It's middle aged men singing. Oh no! <laughs> like acapella group type thing or? Yeah. Oh my goodness! This is this is horrifying. He's a good truck driver. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like a oh. Oh, uh, it, it's it's brutal. That's it's, pretty bad. It is, it I, is the worst. I, I, I yeah. Well, yeah, because we hate it. Because why would we ever like anything in common, ever? So how did you guys get into podcasting? That's the other question I hear. How did, how did we get here? How did we get here? You want to start, Joel, or why should I start? You have to start. Okay, I'll start. Basically, I'm sitting in third period. No, four or five period, Miss Bird's class. And Mr. Rogers walks in, sits down, says, hi, how you doing? I'm like, good. I'm like, what do you want? What's going on? He goes, your jacket sports network and your, some of your peers have elected you to start a podcast. And I'm like, okay, what does that really like mean? Or what are we getting into here? He goes, well, you know, we'll interview some people. We'll talk to some people. We'll see how it goes. I'm like, you interested? I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, all right, we'll find you a co-host later or whatever. And so I started telling people, I'm like, I guess I'm doing this podcast thing. We'll, we'll see what happens. And then this is kind of where, Joel enters the picture. Was this the same day I saw you at lunch and you were talking about it? That, it might have been because you guys started asking me about it because, you know, word spreads fast around the school nowadays. <laughs> yeah, so like, I think uh, I think Jack was talking about it, and then I was like, uh, I'll talk to Rogers about it, and then here we are today. All right. One short conversation with uh, Mr. Rogers, and we got it done. All right. If, do, you, do you follow me on Twitter? Of course. Um, my tis the season ties. Yeah, yes. so I'll um, need to get a picture of you guys. Of with course, yes. today's because I haven't posted because oh, I wanted yeah. it to be with we you made guys, it, folks. We've made it to to be awesome. in the in the lineup. If wow. that's okay, that that's just want to make okay. sure you weren't like on the FBI most wanted. No, list no, 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 no. Have no. your. I am a big fan of the tis yes. The that was actually we about this glad that you mentioned that. That is that right, is something. All right, like. all right. And then um, my last question, and we can start with yours, is what what do you think is the over-under this year for snow days? Oh. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's that's tough. You know, I mean, we're at exams, exam week. Hopefully there's none in the near future. I don't think there will be. But that leaves us with January. Yeah, I'm not anticipating very many. February, you never know what you're going to get into. I'm going to go three and a half. Three that and is a half? That is my selection. Right. Three and a half. Uh, under two and a half. All right. So Joel, you're that's three, three that's and not half. an over-under. You just said oh, under two and a half. Jack, you setting half. it at two, two and, and a half? half? Sorry. Okay. Two and a half. Joel, two and a half? Yeah. All right. Writing it down. There we All go. Right. 
Oh, no. When we when we cross that threshold, I may have to give you a call like from my car as oh. I'm out checking the roads like you know before what? 6 a.m. Uh, you know what? You can be happy to call me. I'll wake up and give like, you a hey, report. Today's your day. I'll look out. I'll look outside and tell you what I think. Well, <laughs> look at my schedule. For you if we need to, yeah, that could yeah. be another that could be sure. another podcast. So mm-hmm. pick you guys up in the morning and. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can good. see it already. Oh, my gosh. Janie's going to have fun editing that one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for indulging me. Oh, so. yeah. No yeah, problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Prepared. Mr. Hostler, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Uh, sure. So I'm, I'm Mr. Hostler. I've been the superintendent of Perrysburg Schools for 16 years. And um, so I'm married. I have four children. So my youngest uh, is a junior in college. And uh, grew up in grew up in Toledo. Um, went to University of Toledo, Wayne State University, up in Detroit. Um, my first uh, couple jobs in, in education, I was a high school uh, English teacher, so like that. Uh, coached uh, cross country, track. Did a little bit of basketball um, for about ten minutes, um, <laughs> and uh, and worked in, in Michigan. Uh, worked in some some uh, Catholic schools, and then came back to Ohio to to work in Perrysburg. So, now you mentioned your Catholic schools being a St. Francis graduate. How would you say um, private schools compared to public schools? Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. I've worked at three different, um, actually, three different Catholic schools. So Monroe Catholic Central, which is St. Mary's now, and then St. Francis, my alma mater, and then St. John's. So, um, and um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the students that are in those schools, there's not a lot of differences. And um, that, you know, Perrysburg might not be for every student. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that um, St. John's or St. Francis isn't for, for, for any student. So, but they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they have all the kinds of ups and downs as, as a public school. So, yeah. Could you want to talk to us a little bit about how you got your start in teaching? Sure. So my dad, uh, my dad worked for Ford Motor Company and had a good job there and provided for us, but pretty blue collar background. Mm-hmm. And um, it was important to him, even though the job, you know, paid well and provided us with a with a, a good living, you know, nice home and nice things. It was um, it wasn't something that he liked. So he said, okay. you know, it's really important that it that you find something that you like something that you wake up every day excited to do mm-hmm. and and so that that kind of steered me into thinking about well what is it that I really want to do what is it mm-hmm. that I think that is really important and uh, had some great teachers um, you know fifth grade at Shoreland Elementary out in Point Place I had Mrs. Jankowski and she mm-hmm. was very inspirational and had a couple of really strong high school teachers and a couple uh, phenomenal coaches and it just kind of kept calling me back, so so I said that that's what I want to do. I was on the uh, six six and a half year plan to get my four year degree, mm-hmm. so it, uh, it it was a journey. Not so, a doctor, but yes, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that scene from Tommy mm-hmm. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those exactly. are called doctors. Yeah, there there was probably too many similarities there that <laughs> caused me to reach oh, that. Oh boy. So yeah, yeah. We can get into that if you want. But. <laughs> So you kind of hit on it a little bit, but what were some of your, like, previous work experiences before Perrysburg? Um, so uh, before Perrysburg, uh, you know, going going back to, like, high school and college, uh, I, I had uh, – I worked my – first, my first job was at uh, – worked at Detweiler Golf Course. Mm-hmm. Um, worked there for, for about five years. 
And then in, in college, um, because I worked to, to kind of put myself through college, I worked a lot of different jobs uh, mm -hmm. from, you know, probably the most um, embarrassing one is I sold women's shoes at the mall. <laughs> um, not proud of that, but, uh, you know, my St. Francis education paid off because I was just hired as a, someone to stock. The, the, and he said, you went to St. Francis? I said, yes. And he said, do you, do you know how to tie a tie? And, and I said, well, yeah, I, I tied one every day for four years. And he says, well, we'd like you to sell some shoes. So, but from there I went to, um, um, my first, uh, coaching job was at Erie Mason in Michigan. I coached mm -hmm. junior high track and, and girls, uh, seventh grade basketball. Uh, from there I, I worked at St. Francis for two years coaching cross country and track there, went up to Monroe Catholic Central or St. Mary's Catholic Central. And we were able to, um, you know, work there, uh, as a head cross country and track coach. Mm -hmm and then got hired at St. John's to teach English. So um, one of the jobs I had right before I graduated from college was at General Mills. Uh, mm -hmm. I was in the quality control lab. So they have a plant there that, that, um, that made Betty Crocker products, so like cakes and brownies mm -hmm. and frosting. And I worked in the lab from midnight to 8 a.m., and they would send me samples of all the different oh. things they were making, and I had to bake it. Oh, jeez. And then I had to test it. Oh, boy. And then the other side um, was cereal. So when I worked that side, every two hours I'd have to go out in the plant and uh, sample freshly made Honey Nut Cheerios and Lucky Charms and Tricks and all Not the different kind so of so, And that was interesting because that job paid really well. Mm -hmm. And um, and I only worked part-time. Oh, and that I sounds to, like a great gig. And I had to quit um, doing that job to student teach. Mm. And so the people that I worked with were like, you know, at that time, it was back like 1990, and they're like, so how much do you make here working part-time? And, and these are like old dollars. Yeah. But I said, well, you know, last year I made like twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 as a part-time. And they're like, so That's when you become good. a teacher, what are you going to make? And I'm like, well, like 19000 And they're like, what's wrong with you? Right. But I kept thinking about what my dad told me, which is right, you want to find you something right, that, yeah. you know, and, and not that that wasn't rewarding in its own way, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I quit my job and, you know, went back to mm -hmm. doing all those odd jobs and, and then, um, you know, became a teacher. So. Now, Mr. Hassler, how would you describe your sales ability? My sales ability? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I was very good because I was pretty honest. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so there's a little bit of element there where it's the shoes and the purse and, you know, it's all that. And I'm, I wasn't, like, very comfortable with that. So I did okay, but, yeah. Yeah. And plus I don't know the product very well. Mm -hmm. I just want to be yeah, on the record with that. Yeah, that's one of the fundamental things yeah, we not that there's know anything the wrong with that. But, I, you know, it was hard. You know, I went to an all-boys school. I have all brothers. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit out of my element. So. Well, you know what to say. Honesty is the best policy. Yes. Now, how did you come to the decision to become a school superintendent? Um, you know, it was something that I, working, working in Michigan, I, I had a superintendent that, um, trusted me with a lot of things and I watched very closely what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, primarily it seemed like he arrived a lot later in the day than I did and he left a lot earlier in the day than I did. And mm -hmm. I said, I think that is something I need to pursue, but it was really false advertising. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, it's just I'm still a teacher at heart and, right, and yeah. everything that I do I, I approach it as a teacher and being a superintendent my classroom's just a lot bigger so instead of it being those 25 30 students it is now um, 
the community or, or maybe even, you know, um, a wider audience. And so, so I still approach everything I do as being that teacher and good teachers make strong connections with their students. Mm -hmm. They care about them. Um, you know, they're, they're honest, they provide feedback. They want to see their students get better. And, and I think as a superintendent, I take those qualities in, you know, every day, try to at least. Now, how would you say Perrysburg has changed since you first started here as a superintendent? Um, so in 2000, summer of 2007, I began, we had about 4,400 students. Today we have 5,800 students. So one, it's just bigger. We didn't have Hall Prairie mm -hmm. um, athletically, and we're here in the Huskinson Center. Um, when, when I got to Perrysburg at the high school, there were no outdoor athletic facilities. Mm. And, and so that everything that we did was over here. Um, and, you know, so when you start thinking about the footprint of Perrysburg and the facilities and the Huskinson Center, I mean, kids were changing, you know, certain teams, their locker room was the trunk of their car. And then oh, football wow. players shared with the junior high. Uh -huh. That's never a good idea to have no. junior high and no. high school kids sharing locker rooms. Nothing bad would ever happen in that. No, of course not. Um, but I think so the footprint is one. And I think as a district, we really focused on looking at ourselves and, and trying to be better about what we do. And, and I think that's really important to us is not comparing ourselves to necessarily the schools around here, but across the state. Mm. If we want to be the best, we have to compare ourselves against the best. And I think we've made that transition. We're not happy. Um, we're kind of like that uh, running back who scores a touchdown, doesn't mm -hmm. spike the ball, doesn't do the dance, but, you know, hands the ball back to the ref, gets back in the huddle. And I yeah. think that's what we try to do here. You know, we just go about our job and what can we do better? We're expected to do well. We're expected to win. We're expected to, to have great students and great teachers. And, and we do that. And we go about our way to, to just make those things happen. I feel like that was a very good analogy. It really kind of made sense to me. Yep. And you really explained that well. Now, Mr. Hassler, what would you say your biggest accomplishment has been here at Perrysburg? Um, I, I think probably just being a part of, of a really great team. When you think about the principals that we've had, the teachers that we're continuing to, to hire, giving them a, a, a place where they, they can do the things that they really care about, um, kind of having that culture, I think that's probably the most, you know, um, you know what, I, what I'm most proud of here. Now, you recently interviewed for the state superintendent job. Would you like to talk us through that process a little bit and what that was like for you? Um, sure. Um, so the state superintendent retired about a, a year ago, and um, I've been pretty fortunate the last few years to be involved in, in some, some things across the state. Um, we, we, I was part of a group that changed how um, state funding happens in Ohio, so I had a lot of involvement like with testifying and meeting with legislators and beginning to look at that. And one of the things I saw was in Columbus – um, kind of a, a a lack of voice from the field. So the people mm. that are teaching, the people that are in the buildings, and and there wasn't that kind of voice. There was a lot of other voices that people were listening to, but I felt that that was absent. So talked to some of my colleagues about, well, what do you what what about my candidacy? What do you what what do you think about that? And some friends that are like critical friends that would be honest, and so they said that would be you know that would be you know, good. Um, so, so through my hat in the ring, it, it got a little bit strange. Um, and I haven't gotten every job I've applied for. So, so, you know, you go into those kinds of things and 
uh, as a superintendent in a, in a great place like Perrysburg, I've never applied for another job in 16 years. And um, so applying for this job um, was a big deal for, for mm -hmm. me. So having to talk to the board and, and, and the folks I work with that I'm going to do this. But I, I talked to the board vice president who was on the board mm -hmm. before I applied because they said he was the person that was running the search. So I had a conversation with him, and he said, um, you know, I don't want to get too far into it when I was asking him some questions about the job because I don't want to give you an advantage over the other candidates. And I'm like, well, that, no, I understand that. I'm not looking for anything like that. So I threw my hat in the ring, and then right away they said we're going to move the deadline to instead of January to, to March because we're going to hire a search firm from outside to do the mm -hmm. search. And I'm like, okay. So talked to the guy that was the board vice president and said, hey, you know, is this right? I mean, you, you guys are extending the deadline. I told my community, my board, that this is going to be the deadline. He goes, we're going to hire this firm. They're going to come in. They're going to do a search, you know, and um, so just sit tight. I'm like, that's great. Two days before that March deadline, that person that was doing the search that I had talked to the board vice president, resigned from the state oh, board geez. and threw his hat in the ring. Of course. So I'm like, okay, I think I've seen how this movie is going to end before. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. stayed in it, um, went through the first round of interviews, uh, made it to the final round of interviews, and so did the other gentleman. And, um, and you know, talked about that voice from the field and, and what I could bring to the table, experience in private mm -hmm. schools and public schools. We need to care about all Ohio students. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, um, they offered it to the uh, other person that was on the state board, the vice president. And, um, he worked for eight days and had to resign because the Ohio ethics commission began an investigation. Yeah. Something was going on into, there. Into, uh, into, into that. And if he would have accepted any pay, my understanding is he, he might've, uh, you know, broken the law if he did that. So, so they still don't have a state superintendent, mm. um, and um, so it was an interesting thing. Um, people have asked, you know, would you throw your hat in the ring now? And I'm like, you know, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, because going back to a sporting analogy is kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, when you're, I'm in that point right now here in Perrysburg where when you do something like that, it's, it's kind of like having a steady girlfriend or boyfriend in, in, mm -hmm. in um, high school. And you go to that, in your case, like the head cheerleader is your girlfriend, and you go to mm -hmm. her and say, listen, I know we've been dating for a long time, but the head cheerleader, she's kind of available, and I think <laughs> I, I think I want to date her. Mm -hmm. So you break up, and then you, you know, date her, and, and it, it ends in a spectacular public way. And then you go back to your old girlfriend. You say, mm. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm an idiot. <laughs> this is, you know, we were perfect together. You sound I, like you're I, talking I from know. experience here. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly where I am right now. So, you know, we're soulmates. So that's kind of where things are with that. So, But it was a great, you know, it was, it was a great process. The one thing that was really positive about it is the feedback throughout the process I received about what's happening here in Perrysburg was, was really great. Um, it, it showed a lot. You know, sometimes when you're in Perrysburg and you there's you know you don't get a chance to appreciate what other people have to say about what we do here, and I, I had that through that process throughout it. It was like we've heard such great things, and, and folks up there are doing such a great job. So that's really a compliment. So, for a short bit, you hit about how uh, the te the voices of teachers impacted you. Um, how would you or would you say the voices of those teachers are heard here at Perrysburg? 
I'm sorry, I didn't catch oh, that. Oh, you're good. Um, yeah. Do you feel the voices of teachers are heard here at Perrysburg? You know, I, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, um, you know, I, I think from the, uh, from I think there's two ways if I can answer it to make yeah. sure I'm answering. Go ahead, if I'm yeah. not, let me know. So I think the one thing is I think you know we want to continue to hear the voices from teachers as a superintendent. Um, so there's there's you know it's important to have ways to communicate kind of formally and informally. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's really important. So faculty advisory committee is a group of teachers I meet with regularly, and they kind of give me feedback and I bounce ideas off of them. Um, staff here in general not just teachers but staff here you know are are important where we have meetings with the the, the two unions that represent we give them a voice and in, in having input um just having the flexibility to have teachers you know pick up the phone and call or email or text and say you know i'd like to could you stop by and then just being out and about um you know and, and having an opportunity to get feedback at games and concerts and things like that um in terms of teachers here, you know, having an impact on students um, and having that voice that stays with students, um, we just had a, a, a um, you know, um, a coach who coached here for a long time who who passed away, and and um, you know, one of uh, someone on staff said, you know, he was my high school tennis coach back in 1996. Oh, jeez. And um, said without. Uh, blinking an eye said here are the four things he used to tell us all the time and they were they were things that he remembered to this day that was more than just talking about tennis in mm -hmm. fact the things he was telling them wasn't even about tennis didn't help their tennis game but helped them prepare as individuals and when you think about the teachers that you bump into day in and day out and the things that they say you probably can't remember exactly the lesson that they were teaching I know mm -hmm. with mine I can't tell you what you know, what was it that Mrs. Jankowski in fifth grade taught me? But I can tell you how she made me feel. And and I knew that when I was in there, I would do anything for her, you know, in terms of trying to, to, to you know, better myself. And um, and so I think we, we're blessed here to have so many teachers that, that do just that. Um, and, and the ones that, that aren't there, you know, we want to help them find a way to become that way. And in some cases, maybe find another profession you know um that that might be more beneficial but we have such a high standard here that that we really are fortunate to have so many teachers that that go above and beyond so now we're going to pivot a little bit here and focus in more about you what is your morning routine as superintendent um it it varies uh, i i heard uh mr jaco's uh his podcast mm. and he talked about putting it putting his i think it was it's been a while since i heard it but it was yeah. put it in park and then anything happened you know things yeah, can something change like that that's and good. i think that um is very similar where um you know the day starts some mornings it starts at you know 7 a.m with meetings other days you know i'm able to stop start my day at a school building so there isn't like that that same routine that, mm -hmm. you, that you go through so um it is a matter of um really um Things that happen during the day, you know, you want to make sure that you're trying to visit every building every week. That's something that, that I try to, to do, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that you're taking time to, you know, communicate with folks, um, you know, catching up on, um, you know, meetings and then emails and all those kinds of things. You have to be careful with that because that can kind of suck you in. You get caught in that. You get kind of in a bunker. 
So trying to force yourself to get out of the bunker is really important. Mm -hmm. So, so having that routine, um, you know, it's, there isn't like that, Hey, this is what I do every minute. And that's one of the things I like about the job is, you know, it, it varies and, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be, and, and sometimes you have to be flexible. I think my ADD that I had probably as a kid, Mrs. Jankowski could testify to that if she mm-hmm. were here, um, lends itself to that because you have to be able to respond to a lot of different things that, that come at you. So, so Mr. Hosser, did you play any sports growing up? I did. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a neighborhood. Um, we grew up uh, out in Shoreland and Point Place and a lot of kids in the neighborhood. It was... Um, we had the the Ottawa River was mm-hmm. there. It was undeveloped, so we spent a lot of time, you know, doing things down at the river. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a tire swing that would drop into the river yeah. and do those kinds of things. It got a little concerning later on, you know, fish all night, bonfires, things like that. It got mm-hmm. a little concerning when they started putting signs up when I was like a young adult that said, "Do not come in contact with the water." Because it was, like, yeah. the most polluted waterway in Ohio. It's like Camp Lejeune nowadays. Have you been affected by Camp yeah, Lejeune? So, you so get financial my, compensation. My buddies and I, like, call each other after we had kids. Like, did they have gills or did they have, like, web feet? Or And not that I'm offending anybody with gills or web no, feet. No, 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 of course not. But, um, but you know you know, so growing up there, but that, that led to just a lot of fun stuff that we did. But in high school, I, I was, uh, played soccer, uh, ran track and, and, uh, had a unremarkable basketball career. Mm. In fact, my high school coach, coach Val Glinka described me as his plus or minus, uh, 20 player. <laughs> the only time I got out on the floor when we were up <laughs> or down by 20 points and I was not allowed to shoot. So oh. that gives you an idea of that. But um not even once? Oh no. So but uh got into running pretty seriously. So marathon marathon running and had qualified for Boston a few times and you know, just enjoyed that till uh you know, I got a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. a little heavier. Yeah. When the kids started coming, kept running and apparently that's like physics on that is yeah. not good for the knees. Mm-hmm. So you know, so so I've had some knee issues, so I've been like biking which i've reluctantly grudgingly kind of do now for fun so but fishing and other types of things so. now do you have any favorite sports memories um i i do um you know so i think you know growing up in in the mid 80s i was at st francis and and being a student and and being you know in the school i was there during a time where we won a state football um, division one football championship and, and basketball. So that was really exciting to be part of that and, and to be around that. Um, when I, you know, when I was teaching at St. John's, it was during a time, um, where we really had some positive things going on, uh, football. I, I, we had a good run. Um, coach Byer was there. Tony, Um, my, uh, my, uh, when I was assistant principal at St. Oh, John's, Tony's my dad, office shared. Yeah. It was Fred, his probably his dad. Tony's dad, yeah. Yeah, he was a terrific guy. Ed Heinschel was was you know we shared uh, kind of an office area together. He had some great runs with basketball, and then um, here at, at Perrysburg, just outside here, when mm-hmm. we took on Maslin, I think that was one of the most just incredible you know things. The, all the hype leading in, and you know I think Nike landed a helicopter in their stadium before they played us whoa that's and there was all this hype they sent out a group of people to evaluate because it was our home first home playoff Mm -hmm. game 
to evaluate it, and they had called UT and said, we checked out your stadium. We'd like to move the game to University of Toledo. And Mr. Pullman, the athletic director, is like, well, I tell you what, when you win enough games to host a, host a playoff game, you can have it at Toledo, but we're having it here in Perrysburg. Mm-hmm. Those guys came in. We had a running clock in the first half. Statement. And, and uh, the coach had been let go between mm-hmm. here and, and Maslin. It was like a total shellacking. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great moment. Um, as a coach, when I took the job at St. John's, cross country had kind of fallen in hard times. And the, we were in the city league with Bowser and Waite and, you know, St. Francis Central. And, and um, St. John's had finished, I think, sixth in the city mm. league. And um, so St. Francis had won, you know, I don't know how many – City League title, St. John's had not won since, like, the 1970s. Mm, so I got there and just having to rebuild that. And then our third year we won the, the City League title. So it was very exciting. And we we beat the coach that was my coach in high school, and he, was, he hired me as an assistant coach. So it was a little bit intense. But um, so that was a great memory. And then my kids have had all different, mm-hmm. you know, my, my – my boys and they've you know Harrison played basketball here was uh, a track athlete so you know high jump and so it was great to Thomas my other son um, Harrison and Thomas Thomas went to Northview Harrison went to Perrysburg they were both NLL champions the same year um, in different events so that was kind of cool for different schools but uh, my daughter danced at Miami and that's pretty you know you think about dance but I have nothing but respect for dance because they are uh you know they have to be in incredible shape. So that uh, that Maslin game kind of reminds me of that Michael Jordan meme. It's like uh, I think it was from the last the last dance. dance yeah. It's like, and I took that personally. Yes, that was a. It was, yeah. And Mr. Pullman had bought fireworks like earlier in the year, and there was a rain out, so he had these fireworks. He's like, oh, I'm going to set them off after the game. <laughs> so. I don't remember. As that. the game goes off, there's fireworks going off. It, it was <laughs> it was something. So it was pretty. Special. Really, just came together. That just shows you that Perrysburg yeah. pride. That's yes. Yeah. And, and winning the the you know I mean we've you know since I've been here too I'd be remiss but um, you know um, girls uh, girls soccer um, you know winning winning the title girls cross country last year down at, at wrestling with states um, that was just an incredible experience so. We've had so many great moments here, um, and uh, yeah. So now we mentioned earlier your your St. Francis grad. What do you think about the NLL expansion and pushing St. John's and St. Francis to the Detroit Catholic League? Um, you know, I, I think I think that um, I, I, first of all, I, um, I, I don't think that the schools were necessarily pushed. I mean, they had to. Um, make decisions to, to do what's best for them. You know, I, when, when I was in Michigan as a superintendent, we were kind of like, um, mommy and Bowling Green, one of the smaller schools, Napoleon in a bigger league that was very Mm -hmm. competitive. And so winning a league title wasn't like automatic. It was something that once every 10 years it might happen. So we worked really hard to try to expand our league just because, and, and even look for forming a new league because, um, you know, you want to be competitive. You want your student athletes to go out there and compete for titles and, 
and that kind of a thing and, and when you're in a league like that. So when we talked about, you know, bringing in schools to the NLL as Maumee was exiting, mm-hmm. there were lots of conversations about what should that league look like. And when you're Napoleon and you're um, Bowling Green, Springfield, um, you know, you're, you're one of the smaller schools. Um, you're looking at bringing in, you know, a Whitmer and a Finley. And then it's like, as this goes forward, we want to bring in smaller schools that we're going to be competitive with. And, and St. John's and Central, excuse me, and, and um, uh, St. Francis, Notre Dame, Ursula, those are not, they're smaller schools, but they draw from, you know, everywhere. So they're very competitive in some sports. Recruiting. Um, <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> and so that is, you know, it, and, and I, there was resistance about that. So mm-hmm. there was resistance to, you know, to, to that happening, you know, bringing in those schools because the balance, the competitive balance, I think those schools felt was really going to tip. So it wasn't necessarily about excluding one group or another group, but it was about the fact that, um, you know, um, that competitive balance. I think the other thing that happened, like when COVID happened, we compete against each other very, very hard. And, um, but there is a sense of looking out for each other in the NLL with principals mm-hmm. and superintendents. And um, like, for example, when, when Lucas County shut down like practices and things that they couldn't do that in the middle of winter in Lucas County, we reached out to, Anthony Wayne and mommy and said, if you guys want to come and practice in our facilities, you can do that. And, mm-hmm. and they did. Because when you're part of a league, it's not just about wins and losses. It's about having that kind of athletic community. Mm-hmm. And looking at what, what things that happened in the track, they, they don't have that kind of community. So there were other schools that were worried about losing that kind of closeness. I mean, we, do we want to beat Anthony Wayne? Absolutely. But we also want to help them if they ever needed help or support mm-hmm. them. We want them to win all of their games except the one against us kind right. of a thing. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's about that competitive balance, and it's also about the culture here. And it's not to take away anything from those, those cultures, but it's just different. So speaking of competitive balance, what's your opinion on the talk of uh, private championships and public championships? Do you think it's fair to have public school, schools compete with the private programs? Um, that, that's a, that's a great question. And I, honestly, I go back and forth on that. Um, on the one, on the one hand, um, because you brought up recruiting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, did. um, on the one hand, being part of OHSA, there are rules, there are things that all the school members have to do. And, and if you were to do that, have two separate kind of leagues in a way, if they were to leave OHSAA, would that open the door to just just uh, you know an entirely different no rules anything goes kind of a thing because right now there are rules there are things that happen Mm -hmm. and then so I worry about that and I'm like well I think they've tried to do it where you know there is that competitive balance piece where you know the the enrollment you're 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 competing but when 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 I went there um, you know when I was there and involved in the 80s and 90s there, you know, the the Catholic schools were were performing very very well athletically, and then just take a step back today, and you know there aren't 
there are few sports where where Perrysburg is not competing or better mm-hmm. in in any category. So I I think part of it is that that you you know that type of student athletes that we get are phenomenal. Um, the the fact that we have the facilities and the coaches and you know the opportunities um, has made being here just so attractive that people want to be jackets and that's one of the things here that i Mm -hmm. you know talking about the differences everyone here is a yellow jacket i mean you're playing for your town your hometown your community and when you go out there you want to do your best Mm -hmm. and um and so i think that um you know when you're in a catholic school you're part of a community but it's not your neighborhood you're not playing for you know you don't have that kind of connection Given your busy work schedule, how are you being a- able to maintain a work-life balance? Yeah, that, that's probably one of the hardest things. Um, someone said recently, being a superintendent, you know, isn't a job; it's really a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it it does come with, um, you know, certain sacrifices. And I think lately, a lot of superintendents have been thinking more about that because with COVID and you know, there's the whole critical race theory thing that popped up and people got really excited about that. And, and, and it's just this ongoing kind of feel right now that really we haven't experienced before. And I've been a superintendent for um, almost 23 years. The last few years have been unlike anything else. And um, they have made it very, it, it's taken a toll on a lot of folks and, and kind of getting that work-life balance out of kil- mm-hmm. kilter. Um, you know, you have to be really careful with that. So trying to find that balance of home and and doing the things you need to do, doing a really great job and, you know, not having your family suffer. That's something that I think we always try to to, to navigate. I don't think I've always been, if you, if you pulled my kids, I don't know if I've always done a good enough job on their end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's something with every career, every choice you have to, you have to take a look at. But I think the last few years people have been more, reflective of you know um of those kinds of things because you know things have have been a little bit tougher a little more personal than they've than i've seen them before the average tenure of a superintendent in a district is three to maybe five years so to 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 be in a, in a place this long i think it's a credit to the community and, and trying to find that and having people respect and value the the job that you do now, what would you say has been the biggest change in education or curriculum during your career here at Perrysburg? Um, I think the, the kind of the movement, I think technology has been something that I think has really changed uh, quite a bit, the way that, that students uh, engage with learning. At the end of the day, uh, a technology will make a good teacher better but it won't make a, a marginal teacher better. Mm. So, so I think technology is one of those things that in the right hands can be a tool that can do, you know, t- can be very powerful. I think the other piece of it is, is, is that it can't take the place of, of a teacher. Those connections that you mm-hmm. make, you don't get that through an online experience. That teacher caring about, um, caring about you and having that lifelong connection um, you, you don't get that in an online experience. And, um, and so I think it's really important for, for us to not lose sight of that. I think we've really here been very reflective about connecting with students, trying to figure out a way to be more thoughtful with our students. That's a big change where it is. Before it was, 
you know, Joel and Jack, sit down, take mm-hmm. out your notebooks, be quiet. You're going to s- listen to me, and then you move on. And today, I would hope to think that there's more engagement, there's more a connection and knowing mm-hmm. the students, um, because I think you know that's really what where students learn if they feel some comfortable and safe in your environment mm-hmm. in a, in a classroom, they'll do they'll they'll be better learners. And I think we we do more of that now than we ever have. Can you uh, talk to the listeners a little bit about the Jackets Giving Back program? Yeah. So one of the things that has been really important, um, I think, in in education and, and especially, I think, with me, is recognizing how we want students to feel connected and to, 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 to volunteer, to give back. So I think it's really vital that, that we give students that kind of opportunity to, to um to have an opportunity because it's hard when you're involved in two sports and you're doing activities like I want to volunteer but I don't know anything about it this was a way Jackets Giving Back was to take just one day and introduce students to that whole experience so that maybe down the road those students would come back when they do have more time that they knew it wasn't that scary to raise their hand and and to give back so much had been given to our students and to our schools just reminding folks that that we have to, to take a step and, and, and give back ourselves. So that, that's been great. We've had great students. Janie is part of that crew, group and, and just planning for it. And it took kind of a hiatus with, with COVID and bringing it back was really incredible. So, so really proud of that. And we hired a, a career and service coordinator this year mm. um, who's going to work on getting students um, internships and exposures. Might be a little bit um, late for current seniors, but – we want to make sure that um, service is a big component it's of that, It's all about too. the future, right? We're yes. building for the future. Yes. So if, if you could be something other than a student superintendent, what would you be? So I have to give background before I answer this. So we took, uh, as a superintendent, like, like in, when I was up in Michigan, we did uh, like a, one of those career interest surveys, and, mm-hmm. and it asked all these different kinds of questions and scenarios I think like youth science is the kind of yeah. thing where you kind of figure out and school administrator was number two. Number one was funeral director. <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of it. So I think, you know, funeral directors work with families that are, you know, in, in, in one of the worst moments of their lives and they're mm-hmm. compassionate, they're empathetic and they try to navigate things for them to help them. And, and not that superintendents are a lot like death, death, if you, death and taxes. Mm-hmm. So there is something there. Thanks. But uh, but I think there's a lot of transferable skills. So we have a person here as our operations director. He and his wife actually own a funeral home. So I mm. talked to him a lot about okay. that. Could be my second career. Soon to be maybe a retirement plan. Uh, no, not, not, not <laughs> that soon. Sadly. <laughs> Mr. Hassler, what are some of your hobbies? Uh, so I mentioned uh, I, I cycle and, and do those kinds of things. I, I love music. Uh, you know, it's been great getting back into concerts and shows. Um, you know, Janie's part of the philanthropy club, so that's one of the things I enjoy doing. We talk about music, you know, just about every every opportunity, you know, try to work something in there with that. So movies are, are you know, also fun. But, um, you know, um, fishing is something that I really enjoy, you know, in lakes and rivers and, something that I did with my boys quite a bit when they were growing up. So it's nice to see them like really invested in fishing and continuing that. So, 
and then um you know i was an english major so i love i love lit and uh you know try to read as much as i can so there's heavy stuff for school kind of the science of education and then there's every once in a while you know i'll try to go back and, and read a classic i haven't read in a while and then i have like i call it like popcorn like michael conley he's a like a a writer, fiction writer, Harry Bosch, you know, he's mm-hmm. a detective and that's kind of like popcorn. So I have a book lined up for Christmas break. I'm looking forward to reading that. So a little popcorn, guilty pleasure. And then I enjoy true crime podcasts. So that's been something lately. So now you mentioned that you're a big music guy. Who are some of your favorite artists and what is the best way to listen to music? Uh, so I love vinyl. So it's just not practical you know mm-hmm. for for you, know, you can't take it to the gym when you work out and but um i love vinyl i love the the you know the album covers and the the you know put dropping the needle and you know hearing that sound it's just you know mm-hmm. so I, I i like that but i understand the convenience of having it on the phone so i i've been into spotify the last couple of years i get really excited How convenient how convenient. I, I really get excited about when they have the release of, like, you know, your year in review. So that's something that. Or Inside the Hive. but Yes, yes. So so that's really. Shameless that, plug. That's good. Sorry. So, um, so favorite artists, I, I have a, a, a lot. So um, I'm going to see Springsteen uh, mm. this, this upcoming. And he's going to be in Detroit uh, early next year. So I'm excited about that. Um you know, uh, just seeing a lot of uh, when when David Bowie died, uh, Prince died, mm. um, Tom Petty died, and mm. I was going to see Tom Petty. I'd never seen him before. Um, a couple of buddies, uh, Mr. Krebs, superintendent at at, um, at Rossford, is was a was a college DJ, really into music, and and Brad Rieger, who was former uh, Sylvania superintendent. Uh, we decided that we wanted to start seeing a lot of the artists that we hadn't seen before they die or before we oh. die. So we've been getting out there and, and seeing folks. But, yeah, so it's it's been, you know, so it's been fun getting out there. But, I, I you know, I think probably um, kind of the classic rock, kind of your 80s, um, seeing a lot of those artists when they were, you know, back in the 80s. I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, parents let me go to a lot of shows. My first concert was U2. Um, in Detroit mm. in, in uh, 1984, so it was before Live Aid, which really mm-hmm. set them up, and and that was fun to see them in a small venue. I've seen them quite a few times, and saw the Eagles for the first time, which is like a you know 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, you know, Don Henley, Bruce Hornsby is a musician I like, so dabble with the you know with with jazz and love the symphony and other types of things. So it's it's kind of all over the place. So. Now, uh, speaking of other superintendents, do you have any, like, funny superintendent stories? Um, they're just sad. I don't know if they're <laughs> funny. <laughs> that, that could be um, funny. There was a time where um, Brad, Dr. Rieger, Sylvania superintendent, we live a couple houses away from each other. And I had just gone to bed, and I had, this is, looking at me now, this won't come as a surprise, <laughs> oh, but boy. I had, like, Hulk pajamas, you know, like like oh bottoms, the Hulk, the Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk, and I mean, the kids were young, <laughs> and I had an early morning meeting, and I was going to bed. This is before I came to Perrysburg, mm-hmm. and um, I went to bed, and and I heard like a knock on the door, and the dog barked, and then my wife quieted it down, and I heard my wife come upstairs. I was kind of getting up, and she's like, "Brad's here," and he had had a board meeting, mm-hmm. and it it got a little bit dicey. 
And he was like, I got to talk to somebody. Oh, boy. So he drove to my house. And so we talked through things. And he's like, I can't believe I'm sitting in your living room. It's like 11 o'clock, and I'm getting advice from a guy in Hulk pajamas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know. That should have been like a peak moment. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah. So the, one of the early times I was, I was checking the roads out here. And there's no scientific way to check the roads out here. It's just, mm. you know, the, the most important thing is, you know, a lot of places will, just to give you perspective, will like salt just the intersections. You've seen that, right? So mm-hmm. cars can stop. But when you're a school bus, you are a rolling intersection. Yeah. So you have to go out and like uh, if I'm driving a car, let's say pick out a mailbox that's on the road and then hit your brakes to see how far it will take you to stop. Because if that's a student waiting to cross, you have to be able. So, or and then a student how much driving does get who doesn't get, know how to brake. Yeah, and then you get going. And so you're you're accelerating, you're braking, and, and you're out in the country. It's it's like five in the morning, and I'm doing this, and then I see headlights behind me. So then you know it's like okay, I'm out in the country, you know, out, you know, somewhere like five point, you know, way out, and testing the car, and then all of a sudden the police lights come out, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and then you know. That's that's got to be weird. And then the car pulls up alongside me and it says, "I just ran your plates. You're the superintendent." I'm like, "Yeah." Checking the roads. I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "It didn't look good from a distance." Cause, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, "You're out there. It's pitch black. You're like accelerating. You're slamming on your brakes. Your car's skidding. <laughs> yeah. You're accelerating. It's yeah." So so got pulled over that morning. So that was like, oh, that was a new one. So yeah. Now, is there a superintendent fantasy football league or anything like that? Uh, there, there has been in the past. I'm not in any this year, but um, there has been. There, there's a lot of stuff that, that we do teasing each other because there's not a lot of people that understand the job. So it's a pretty tight-knit group, and, and, and uh, so we like to tease each other as much as we can. And, um, you know, but it's, it's a good group to, to have, you know just like your buddies, you know, you kind of go through that similar experience of like being on a team and, you know, there's, 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 there's some funny moments there. So. Now you are a very big Christmas fan and always wear different Christmas themed ties as you're currently doing right now in a full Christmas suit. Um, Do you have a favorite tis the season tie like you do every year? Uh, I think every year it varies a little bit. I have one that I haven't worn yet. It's like a, it's like, Santa it's like an art deco tie it's like Santa going down a chimney and the tie is shaped like Santa in in a chimney so that one mm-hmm. is kind of cool I haven't seen many like that so but yeah so there there there's some subtle ones like when I know I have like like the today mm-hmm. um when I wear something like this that doesn't that wouldn't scream subtle to me but maybe yeah maybe yeah, I'm misinterpreting yeah. so it, today but. so today um knowing this is not subtle mm-hmm I have in my car right now, like, another pair of pants, another sport coat, and I always keep, like, backup shirt and ties mm. at my office because you never know when something is going to happen. And let's say something happens, like, there's a bus accident, and I have to, like, oh, the media shows up at the office. <laughs> you can't be looking like an and idiot. And I come out like this, like, <laughs> it was a tragedy. We feel terrible. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> So I understand that, that that probably oh, wouldn't be the professional look. So I, I actually have, like, 
another whole set of wardrobe that when you do this that I and I'm a pretty like probably if you talk to people fairly formal you know I'm not you mm-hmm. know I'm not in shorts and a shirt in the right. office it's just no. not my style it's you know I might not wear a tie in July but otherwise I'm a pretty formal person but yeah like like I, I have like a total backup because you just never know he's thinking so, yeah yeah so I do I do plan all right, Mr. Hostler, we're going to hop into uh, this week's Rank It. This is where we will give you a topic and ask you to rank them one through five. This week's, this week's topic is top five Christmas movies. Ooh. So um, should I go from five down to one? or, or However you, f- you, you know? deem is necessary. So, um, so I, I think that um, – Miracle on 34th is the original one where the little girl doesn't believe in Santa and okay, this, yep. this guy pops up. Do you know that one? I've never, never yeah. seen it. Are you like a Russian plant? Like they <laughs> yes. You, like yes. Somewhere in yes. Siberia? That is accurate. Joel is a Russian plant. I mean, just look at that hair. I mean, it's You haven't accurate. seen Die Hard. You haven't seen Miracle on 34th. So anyway, that, 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 that's definitely one of them. Um, I think that uh, – um, you know, Elf is, mm-hmm. I think, okay. one of the better, you know, right. better ones that, that, that just is fun to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, we're approaching the top three. This is where it gets intense. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, it's, so, um, I think Home Alone is, is another one that is just, you know, captures a lot um john hughes wrote that if you if you're a kid of the 80s like i was john hughes you know you know which leads me to number two which is christmas vacation which is mm, another john yes hughes. and then it's a wonderful life oh yes black and white now my oh, wife mm-hmm. so so what, what? so sunday i've got tickets four tickets to uh-huh. go see it's a wonderful life at the valentine theater mm. so i'm like this is going to be great Told my wife, I go, hey, we got, I got tickets on, on, you know, we're gonna go, you're gonna watch it on the big screen. I've never seen it on the big screen. She's like, I don't want to go see that. All that guy does is whine throughout the whole movie. Oh no. So this is this is rough, but um, but yeah. So there's 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 a few other good ones. I'm sure I'm leaving out. Die Hard, I think, you know, probably checks the box as the box as a Christmas movie, but I don't know. Are you a fan of uh, Polar Express? I do like that. I do. Okay. That that would be that'd be top ten for sure. All right. So I was making sure. The, does the animation kind of like freak you out a little bit? Yeah, I, I get something yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, I love the story and and you know the bell and the music is great. The music, obviously. I don't think it would be the same without Tom Hanks. Without Tom Hanks, I I don't think the movie would be any good. But I, my son, my son Harrison, Perrysburg mm-hmm. alum said this to me and this this might offend some viewers he goes dad we watched the movie together it might have been um i forget it when he played captain phillips i forget mm-hmm. what was the name Ca- um that might be Ca- is no that- castaway was when he was on the island yeah wilson yeah um so anyway captain Phil- there's that scene at the end where he's getting looked over by the by a real life navy like nurse who's mm. like inspecting him and he's like responding to her and he's just it's really moving if you could google it it's that last it's like one of the last scenes after he gets rescued and she's going over and she's like a real nurse this is what her, this is her protocol that she does anyway my son and i are watching this and he goes dad 
if Tom Hanks filmed himself going to the bathroom, I'm cleaning up the language for the audience, mm. I think he would make that just awesome. And I'm like, I'm I think sure, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Point. Yeah, so... So he, you know, so any, yeah, so him lending his voice to that, I think, is is really good. But, you know, there there's a lot of fun ones, movies out there. So now, school funding is always a major issue with every school district. How would you say you keep costs under control? Yeah. Uh, so, um, I I think that. Um, we we have conversations almost daily about the things that we can do. And, and they're little things and they're big things. So mm-hmm. we have 15 buses in our fleet right now that are propane, so they're not diesel fuel. Diesel fuel costs have skyrocketed. We made the decision a number of years ago to go with propane, which right now is less than a dollar like a gallon. And, and so that's, that, that's saving us money. So it's like, okay, that's good. But to give you an example of what our culture is like here when mm-hmm. it comes to that, so when we look at the routes, like which buses are on the roads the, the longest period of time, we will switch that bus to make it a propane bus to save dollars. Mm-hmm. So when you start getting into, yeah, we want to use a propane bus because we're going this distance or for this amount of time, gives you an idea of how much we look at, you know, keeping, you know, those kinds of costs down. Um, you know, we, we whether, and, and, you know, in my office had a, a copier print, you know, scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we did an analysis and said, you know, if we moved the copier from your office out and the one down the hall out and put it, put just one in the hallway that you guys can share, that would save us this much money. And it's an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. To, it sounds like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a teacher and I never have had a printer. Um, and I, I get that. But it just, you know, no one is above looking at how can we control costs. So when you come to my office, you'll see me in the hallway standing, waiting my turn to, to grab that, uh, to grab something, to print something or, or copy it. So, so we look at a lot of different ways of how we try to control costs. We spend less per dollar than the average. So what it, the state calculates for every school district in Ohio, what it, what it costs to educate a student, it's approximately $13,000 a year. We spend um, per student. Per student, okay. Um, we're between a thousand dollars and five hundred dollars less than the state average. So think about this math. So take a thousand dollars, five hundred dollars, multiply it by five thousand eight hundred and five thousand eight hundred students. That's how much mm-hmm. we are spending annually below the state average. So, and, and then when you look at Perrysburg High School five recently, million. our five performance million. index score million, with the state report card, out of over 800 high schools in Ohio, um, we were ninth. Hmm. So we're spending less than the average school. We're spending less than the state average to, to educate a student, and we're getting top 10 results out of 800 at the high school, and, and our school district performs well. So, so we're a great value, I think. We're doing something right. Yep. yep. We're doing something right. Now, the, uh, the Perrysburg community has always been super supportive in passing uh, new school levies. What is the key to continuing this success and expanding the school district? Well, I, I think we've had a good run here lately where the schools had, you know, where the community has supported the schools. But um, there was, so, so let's, let's take a look at 2007 because that's where I came in. I'm mm-hmm. familiar. Sure. So prior sure. to 2007, the... Um, the prior 15 levies going into that year, 
Perrysburg had failed more than they had passed. So so moving forward, we've had a had a good run, but it's something. It's just like it's just like football. Mm-hmm. Your Culture on, change. You're only you're only as good as your next game. So you win that last game, but Friday is a whole new game. So what you do all week is you practice, you drill, you you do all the things. So what we do is focusing on that next levy. You know, we're continuing to work on, you know, developing a relationship with the community, you know, making sure the community understands our needs. You know, you do all the things right every day, just educating our students. Um, you return calls from parents. You get back to people. You, you do the right things. You get great results. Um, and then when the time comes and you begin to talk to the community about why you need what you need, they have seen that it isn't just campaign season, but they've seen this whole three, four years of, of all of these activities going on. So, you know, every opportunity we have to engage the community in a positive way is like putting a coin in the piggy bank. And then when you go for a levy, you're making a withdrawal from the community, and you need to make sure you have the coins in that piggy bank to cover it. So so it's, it, there's a lot of preparation, but it's just doing a good job with what we've been given. Now we're going to go from one hard-hitting topic to another here, and that's uh, – Topic we kind of hit on a little bit earlier, and that's uh, the 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 snow day topic. And <laughs> we're not going to beat you up too bad, I don't think. But maybe maybe I'm wrong in saying this. But my first question here is: Are there certain criteria that have to like be met for a s- snow day, or are most of them just pure judgment calls? Yeah. So a few things I think we need to like put out there. So, yes, let's so, hear these things. So so one is. We live in the north. Uh-huh. We agree on that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and we do. And in the north, it snows. Correct. And that's just part of living in the north. And when you live in the north and it snows, you can't shut down life as we know it. Fair. So, so to call Fair. a snow day, let's begin with we need to have, like, snow, like, on the road. So yeah. that that's I that, mean that just yeah. Yeah. So so let's let's start there. So I think I think so one of the things that that happens um is you know we have to have um you know an accumulation of snow. Um and and there's some variables here. Um mm-hmm. so when I worked in Michigan, little different terrain, little different, you know, maybe got more snow than we do here, but there's some variables here that make it a little more challenging in my opinion here. So so one is it's not just you just can't say, well, if we get three inches of snow, we always cancel. Because you could mm-hmm. have three inches of snow fall at 6 p.m. They will have it cleaned up by the next morning. Mm-hmm. And if it's a heavy snow and it just sits there, it's not a problem. In fact, if three inches of snow fall at midnight in the morning, if they're working on the roads, you can drive carefully to school. It's slushy. You can you can make it work. Where where you know So you can't say like three inches or five inches or six inches or two inches. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that we have is then, you know, the conditions here are the wind. That's a variable. Mm-hmm. So you could have three inches of snowfall, nothing. You have school. It's not a problem. It's just it turns into slush. Um, you make snowballs and snowmen, and it's a it's great, great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you have two inches of snow and it's it's cold, so let's say it's like 10 degrees out, and mm-hmm. then it's really windy, so the wind chill starts to factor – that is more difficult than dealing with three or four inches of snow, mm-hmm. and here's why. So one is that drifting and the wind, that, that one or two inches of light snow covering the roads 
um, creates very slick conditions, black ice. And then in, in when the temperature falls to like 10 degrees or less or 15 mm-hmm. degrees, salt that they put on or brine is less effective. Mm. So, so some of it is this combination of things. It is what is the wind doing? Um, what is the temperature? How much have the road crews been able to get out ahead of it? Um, and, you know, what, what can be expected in the next, you know, hour, two hours? So there, there's, uh, you know, I mean, we, we tease about it. And my whole career, I have always driven and checked the roads myself. That's mm-hmm. really important to me because you're making, you know, we, we tease about it, we joke about it. But when, when the time comes to actually have to get out there to drive the roads, to make those decisions, it is, it is, it is a really hard decision. Um, so I go out, I check the roads, I have a certain route that I drive. Mm-hmm myself because i want to know what those conditions are when they happen i want to feel the road i want to be able to 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 see exactly what it is because if i'm making a decision on a morning where you have that kind of you know yes or no heaven forbid something were to happen i want to be able to know that i was out there i experienced it i know what it was and based on my you know 23 years of collective experience doing this this is the decision i made um I don't always get it right. There's been some decisions mm-hmm. that I've made where, you know, after we caught, like, I think we're okay. You know, the weather doesn't, the snow doesn't stop or the wind picks up or sometimes, you know, you're just driving back to the office and you're like, oh, man, this is, this is bad. Um, and, and there's been a couple times like that and you hold your breath um, until all the buses get in, all the kids get in. Um, and then there's days where, like we had last year, where they were convinced like 10 inches of snow were coming. You need to cancel. You're not going to get the kids home. And it rained. We were canceled. And it rained. And I was so mad because I'm like, I'm kind of like, you know, the revolutionary. Don't shoot t- till you see the whites of their eyes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to cancel school until I see the snow on the ground and experience it. But, you know, it, it, it you know, sometimes, you know. A little bit of peer pressure goes into it. That's, uh, you know, I, I'll admit there's there's moments of that. If I go out and drive myself and I'm in the community and I'm driving the roads and I'm like, this is not bad here, and five other districts around cancel, every district is different. And, and the, you know, they might not have the snow crews that we have here, and that's okay. I'm good with that. Um, so peer pressure doesn't play in until – Every once in a while, I get a phone call in the morning like, hey, I know you haven't made a decision, but you need to know, like, 54 districts have canceled and you're number 55. Like, now now that starts to process. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that could be a that, – that's something I need to evaluate here. So, so sometimes peer pressure factors in a little bit. There's all kinds of schemes like, well – if if mommy closes, then Perrysburg automatically closes. There's no like. So there's no correlation. Na- there's no that's NATO. A fa- that's a yeah. fallacy yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah. There's no okay. like NATO treaties. Like if these district okay. goes, okay. And you're going, right. and this one isn't. That was always a big thing. Everyone yeah. always talked about that. Well, they're closed. We're gone. No, no, they okay. always do. And I love the phone calls. You know that will come in where we you know do the announcement. You know school's been canceled. Um, it's on television, it's posted on Twitter and you get people calling like, I just want to, I just want to make sure that schools close. It's like, <laughs> yes, it is. I, I get some interesting phone calls those mornings. Yeah. Do tell. Um, and, uh, when I was in Michigan, I had one, um, 
we had uh, it, it were kind of rural roads out there that were not paved. They were like dirt roads. Oh, jeez. And so we had, it was March. Um, we had a little bit of snow, uh, rained, and then it got cold enough overnight where it, it froze the, the back roads. So the main roads were clear, but the back roads were just, you know, a sheet of ice because the ground was still frozen. And, and it was treacherous and a lot of ditches. And we canceled school. And I had a mom call me who, who left me a voicemail said, you know, some not some nice things. Because like, <laughs> it was disrupting to families. And that's the other thing is yeah. when we cancel school, you're like, yay. But there's a lot of families out there that then are, you know, struggling for plan B. So she was telling me in, in a very friendly way um, how she had to go to plan B. And then later that morning she called me. And she's like, this is Miss So-and-So. I want to apologize. She's like, I live in this neighborhood, and I looked out the window. Things were fine. I had to take my kids to my in-law's house who live in the community on one of these you know, dirt roads, turned the corner, got on it, went right into the ditch. Oh. And she's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. And I'm like. Karma. I'm like, that's, <laughs> you know, I'm glad everyone's okay. But, you know, she's like, I, I, I felt like I had to call and apologize. So, so you know, and like I said, the, the one thing, too, is people, like, there's accidents. I think, and tell me what you think about this, there are more accidents because of sun glare than, than probably snow for kids. That's, that's probably true. You that, know, when no, the sun's honestly. coming up and you can't see and you're driving, yeah. and all of a sudden there's a car there, um, there yeah. are more accidents on those kinds of days than typically. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like I said, we cancel school because, you know, we want it to be safe for students. But buses are actually very, very safe. And, and parents, and I had four kids, and there were some mornings where it's like, yeah, you know, buddy, you can't drive this morning. You know, the roads are a little, you know, so parents have to have a hand in that because I get a lot of calls about, well, my child hasn't driven in the snow before, and it's like, we live in the north, it's Ohio, it mm -hmm. gets snowy here, part of your instruction for driving should be having your child drive in the snow, and you sitting next to them making sure that they're comfortable doing it. It's life and death. I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. we joke about it, but it is stressful, and, and um, you know, we try to get it right. So That was a, a great answer. I feel like that answered almost all my questions. Joel, do you have anything else? I think... Just maybe one more question that you're not Where seeing. Where are you at? Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. You have to edit that out. Um, so, did you close school the day we got pulled over, or the day you got pulled over? No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> what? And, and you know that that wasn't the only time I've been pulled over for oh. checking. So, when I worked in Michigan, I lived in Sylvania, and it we had a lot of snow here. I got up like at four in the morning drove to the gas station getting gas they had like a level three emergency you know like in lucas <laughs> county and i was heading and he up. was not closed he was determined and I, I was, to send i was to school. i was up in down river detroit where i was superintendent so i had to drive up to down river detroit like uh you know north of monroe and uh i'm in the gas station getting gas because one of the tricks is you know you want your gas tank full when it snows because it gives the back of your car more weight so fill mm -hmm. it up Okay. driving all right that's a new one yeah yeah so so pull up to a light police car you know next to me Rowindo comes down he's like sir where are you going i said well i'm a school superintendent in michigan i was just heading up to to check the roads and he's like sir i, su I suggest you turn around 
and go home and cancel school. So I did. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's it. It's yeah, that we're simple. Good. It's, it's that, that simple. simple. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. But um, but yeah. So, but the the cars I checked the roads in some. I you know I've had four wheel drive. I've had two wheel drive. It's you know it's all it, it, that that doesn't really matter much. So here you go. Four, are you saying four-wheel drive is overrated? No, no, it's okay. great. I mean, for checking the roads. <laughs> okay. Because you know, people okay. are like, well, if you drive a four-wheel drive, you're really not getting an accurate, you know, you know, you can go through anything. And it's like, well, no, we, we you know, yeah. So fog is very, very difficult. Fog well, is. Yeah, it, what's different about fog and snow? It really, it, it rolls in. It's very unpredictable. It can kind of pop up. One side of the district can be just I can't see anything, and the other side the sun's out, and that's fog is really really tough. There was a time where we had school because fog had moved in. We mm-hmm. looked at it. I think we're going to be okay, and it was okay for like the high, you know high school and junior high go earlier, and then the elementary. Mm-hmm. In between the elementary and high school, the fog rolled in, and it was scary oh. thick. And we ended up having to cancel the elementary, which is really confusing. Um, mm. Because uh, or delaying the elementaries, but it was scary. So, has there ever been a moment when you had to like call kids out of school and send them home? One time in my career, and I said I would never do it again. Um, so that's why it didn't happen last year, then, when all the other school districts went home and we stayed there. Well, just clarification. So, so there's a couple <laughs> things about that. Yeah, that, that, not that it was bad, yeah, but there's a little bit. So here, here's a factor with 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 that. So with high school kids. You, you know, we can send you home and you're like, you're going to make it, right? I mean, you know, parents are like, yeah, whatever. We don't call your parents to say, hey, you, your, your son or daughter is a 17-year-old senior. We have to send them home. They're, they're, they're okay. But when you're dealing with kindergartners and first graders and second graders, you have to have a parent or somebody there to receive them. Mm-hmm. They're not like most right, Not yeah. all high school kids are capable of surviving on their own, but most are. And, um, and so, but you, so you have to do what you have Mm -hmm. to call and contact every one of those kids. So we have like 2011 kindergartners through fourth graders. We would have to contact families of every one of those kids. So just the time to do that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And then you have to call all the bus drivers back into the district because in the middle of the day, the bus drivers are doing other stuff, other jobs and so some of them aren't available. So you, you have to go through a couple hours of really work to prepare to send kids home. And usually by that time, it's, already, it's the yeah, end of the okay. day. So by, and, and that's what happened in my previous district. It was like, we're going to send the kids home. It's like 11 o'clock. The buses didn't get there. We didn't make contact. We didn't get rolling. By the time they got home and the bus is back, it, it wasn't that much of a difference. The buses were out there. It took longer. To, to get through because you had drivers driving routes that they weren't familiar with. It just, it just, you know, um, mm. so, so now what happens is you just, if there is a question, you just don't bring them in. So it, it has benefited more than a deterrent because because of that experience, it's like, well, if there's a question better to keep them at home at the end of the day, it's better to keep them at home. If there's that much of a question, that hard of a decision, just keep them home. So we may, we may see the over this year, Joel, who knows? We may, <laughs> we'll see. We may. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to head into this week's flashback. This is where we review a controversial or hot topic that may spark conversation in the community. 
Well, no, no, no. Well, well. There's more. You're just yeah, a special, special topic. <laughs> Wait, there's but more. There's, oh, there's always more. <laughs> Recently, there's been some chatter about the main courses of holidays, dinner, and which is better, turkey at Thanksgiving or ham at Christmas. So, Mr. Hostler, I ask you, which one do you prefer and why, ham or turkey? Ooh. Well, this is a long pause. Yeah. We got him. We yeah. got him, Joel. We yeah. got him. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to upset the ham lovers because, you know, there could Uh-oh. be a – Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I want to give, give equal, you know, opportunity yes. to the turkey lovers. But there's something about, you know, a turkey the next day making a sandwich. I think the day of, I go with ham. Okay. The next day and the day after, when you're going in the refrigerator and making that turkey sandwich, that's what that's what I like is is like not just the the turkey that day, but it's like the next day. It's like getting the 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 dressing out, the mashed potatoes, you know, heating them up, and that that's what I like about turkey. Ham ham is great. Ham is probably better that day. But is that a is that a politician? That was a that political like a answer. answer. I, I respect that, that. All right, all right. So I I would go with turkey, but um, but it's it's not for because of the taste and that. So mm-hmm. we smoked a turkey and we deep fried a turkey this year. Smoked turkey was really good. So really good. So speaking of food, what are some of your favorite restaurants? Um. So I I think um. The Dirty Bird downtown, mm-hmm. um, yep. I think it's just it's just the, uh, anything I've ever gotten there from just the chili to the burgers to the chicken. I really I really like that. Um, really like Swigs. Um, you know that that's a that's a that's a, a, a good place. Uh, Fifth Street Pub. Mm-hmm. You know yep. the pizza there. They have meatball sub that I like. Can't mm-hmm. wear a white shirt when I eat that because mm-hmm. something inevitably mm-hmm. rolls off. I have to go but into the closet and get a new shirt shirt on in the office so um mancy's blue water i I like seafood um you know they're just it doesn't seem like there's quite a a, a lot of uh good seafood places love perch and walleye so Mm -hmm. now what are some of your goals for perrysburg in the future um I, i think continuing to to look at you know to look in the mirror to to take a look at what we do why we do it and what can we do to get better you know, it's it's looking in the mirror. You know, we want everyone to do that, and and I think that that's been our culture. We want to maintain that. Um, I think right now students are struggling more with some things. Um, you know, Janie's been part of the club. We've talked about the mental health needs of, of of students. So, what can we do to reach out to students to help? I think there's a huge challenge right now with making sure kids feel safe and secure in the classroom. And I think that that is really vitally important. So, so I think a short-term goal that will lead to kind of long-term success is taking care of the kids. I think just coming out of COVID, there's a, there's a lot of things that maybe we're seeing that we haven't seen before, and I think we have to address those things because if you don't take care of those things, making sure kids feel good about um, themselves, they're they're not going to be able to learn as much. They're, and that that's that's a fact, and and that's where we need to focus on. You know, I grew up in a time where you know you, things people used to say. You know, rub some dirt on it, walk it off. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know you're okay, and you didn't talk about things. And today, you know, you can't rub dirt on it. You, you can't always walk it off. And then I think we have to be very open about that. So, mm-hmm. so that's it. I think facilities is something we're talking a lot about. We're a growing district. We're we're adding kids. 
and what are we going to do about that? So we're working very hard at that. Um, so, and then financially, um, what can we do to, to keep our costs down, to be s secure? Um, we're going to be having to go to the voters in the next couple of years for, for um, dollars, and, and that's always a tough proposition. It's never easy. So I think those are the main kind of goals that we're looking at as we go forward. So. Mr. Hostler, what is one word that you would use to describe yourself? Ooh. Not not that word, not ooh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, um I think dedicated. I think I'd go with that for now. So no, another ten minutes might be something else. So Yeah. yeah. That's that's a good word. Solid choice. I mean, you put it in long hours, so it only makes sense. Yeah, but so do washing machines. Well, but, you know. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> there needs to be something if, a little bit more. Well, that, if, but, if that's yeah. where you want to go. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, Mr. Hostler, Joel yep. and I wanted to run an idea past you to close out our show tonight, yep. and it's kind of something that's it. that's been happening. We've just kind of been brainstorming, and it has to do with our final episode. That's a long ways away, but not really in the grand scheme of things, and it has to do with our high school graduation, and it requires some assistance from you. Okay. And so we would, we were wondering if we could maybe set up a table either after or before graduation and invite some of our previous guests on and invite some of the other high school graduates on and ask them to reflect upon their experiences at Perrysburg High School and reminisce about the journey that they have been on. So, Mr. Hostler, do you think you could potentially help us out in making our final graduation episode a reality? All right. I think that's a great plan. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of value. This, you know, people take pictures, and that, for mm -hmm. many years, that was the thing that people held on to, and we have to understand that today's students, podcasts, you know, are such a huge, you know, piece of that collective memory. So I think, you know, it's like bringing a camera to graduation, setting up and, and doing a podcast is, is probably in line with trying to capture that. So... In, in full disclosure, um, mm -hmm. you know, Mr. Cookson is the high school principal. He mm -hmm. runs graduation. I'm, I'm a guest of his. Mm -hmm. I can certainly, you know, lobby on behalf mm -hmm. of an idea like mm -hmm. that. That's, but, um, that's, that's all we're asking for. Think, Just give uh, us a chance. I, I think, I think knowing Mr. Cookson, I think he, he would be open to entertaining the idea. So, yeah. Unless he's already said no. I, I don't. We've not, not asked anything. him yet. We figured right, we'd go to right, the, all right. yeah, the big. I'm open to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that would be good. So, All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Hostler, oh, for coming on you. the podcast today. We really enjoyed getting to talk to you and to know you a little better. Our next guest will be assistant boys basketball coach Mr. Stein as he finally gets his time to shine after a couple of scheduling conflicts. Yes, Mr. Stein, your time is coming next week. I know you've, you've talked to me a couple times now about coming on. You will be on next week, I promise. This has been another episode, episode 12 of Inside the Hive, a Jacket Sports Network he's production. Gonna be, he's going to be episode 13. He's going to be 13. That's, That's an unlucky number, yeah, but know. he's okay with that. So, Joel, Jack, do it's you that say time. The famous line? No, I can't. It's your oh, thing, buddy. To the moon, baby. To the moon.